Hello, friends, and welcome to the Kuchina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast. On an exhilarating episode of Conversational Witchcraft, I'm totally fangirling because we have the amazing, amazing, amazing Sophie St. Thomas. Okay, I need you to understand how fantastic she is. I totally stalk her all over social media. Uh, Sorry, Sophie, I can't help myself. Uh, Sophie St. Thomas is an award-winning journalist and author based in New York City, originally from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Her exhaustive list of bylines includes Vice, Playboy, GQ, Glamour, Marie Claire, Pride, Cosmopolitan, High Times, Gawker, Harper's Bazaar. I mean, she's amazing. She is the author of five books, Finding Your Higher Self, a little book of CBD for self-care, Sex Witch, Magical Spells for Love, Lust, and Self-Protection, and the forthcoming Glamour Witch and Weed Witch, which we'll talk about after our break today. Uh, Previously, she's worked as a columnist for Vice, producer for MTV Networks, and Refinery29's Sex Staff Writer. She's the co-creator and author of the intimacy journal, A Sex and Cannabis Log Book. Oh my God. Sophie St. Thomas. I I keep saying I need like a I need like a clap track I need like a roar of of applause like friends like friends yeah I I need that like I'm Rachel Green right now (laughs) well you you have a little of that New York City metropolitan amazingness happening I have kind of like the um what's that called the hairstyle that is short was it the the layered I have layers layers that was very big in the 90s thank you that was a very flattering um introduction you are legit one of my favorite witches that I follow online. Um, I love pretty much everything about you. And I only just found out right before we started recording that you too are a Scorpio bitch. So hell yes. Yes. Um, That's super fun. But no, for real, like, I think we have a common, uh, an acquaintance. I think Gabby uh, is a common acquaintance of ours. Yes. And another wonderful sex and weed witch. Another wonderful. So I am, I'm, I don't, would never classify myself as a sex witch. I'm a kitchen witch, but I'm a Scorpio woman. So yeah, I guess I am. A I think it's all the same. I don't think we have to be picky and choosy about labels. I mean, it's, you know, it's witchcraft. It's all a bit silly on purpose, isn't it? <laughs> It's all a little bit, I don't know if I would use the word silly, but I would definitely use um, the word maybe unique or like, I love the, the, the phrase that is thrown around a lot of times in the witchcraft community that, or at least I haven't heard it, but when I was coming up, that all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. And, and I feel like that, that is what we're about. We're about sensuality. We're about, uh, you know, joy in all of its forms, whether that is through, food or sensual pleasures or, um, you know, silliness, whatever that means is, is what I define. Yeah. I guess I just mean, I really like how fun it is Mm. and just, um, to me doing tarot or reading my horoscope, um, at times can feel like maybe this because I have books out self-care, a little fun and a little frivolous. And I mean that in a good way, um, you know, making up a love potion is like kind of a, bougie, sneaky, you know, um, (laughs) evil, dark mistress thing to do, but it's also, you know, witchcraft gets a lot of shit Mm. and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I feel like to defend that a lot of witches are very like, no, this is like real. We are Mm -hmm. witches. This is serious. And obviously I think it's serious. I've written three books on the topic now 
But um, I also think it should be allowed to be really fun. I think that it's important to remember that our brains are big and capable of having fun and taking things seriously at the same time. Yes. And (laughs) I feel like it doesn't have to be so serious, right? Like whatever witchcraft you practice is you, it's so personal. It's so individual. And if you want to be that person, that's like, no, this is how it is. And we much must call the corners in this particular way. And we have to, that is awesome for you. Now, but that if, works for some people. That, yeah. But if you want to be like, I'm going to do my makeup and drink a glass of wine, and this is going to be my beauty ritual. That's to, glamour magic. That's glamour magic. And it, it neither one is more or less valid. You know, do you get a lot of shade like for that? Uh-huh. No, not that I'm aware of. Um, but I think it would be okay if I did. <laughs> I think I would, I could, I would say what I just said to you. You know, right. it's not. It's, it's an accurate opinion. Um, gosh, I, I, I love, no, no, say. I love that. I love that because oftentimes, and I've had this conversation with other people on the show, right? Like I'm a kitchen witch. I am not a psychic. I'm not really what I would call it. I need, I need to hear more about the kitchen witch stuff too. Cause I'm finally a cook for the first time <laughs> in my life. It's true. I moved in with my partner during COVID Yep, and I got really into cooking and I'd already been doing things like, you know, making my own cannabis oil and stuff that yeah. felt a little kitchen witchy. Yeah. Um, but I need to know like where the magic begins and when the cooking begins or where they overlap or yeah. what. Anyways. So well, you I have of- a couple of books oh. on the subject. I mean, I no, um, th- th- well, you know, kitchen witchery is, it, and there's a lot of things I was, you know, looking through your book that you have a couple of things in here. You've got those candied rose petals. Oh, those are wonderful. They're wonderful. And in my book, my most recent book, which is uh, Kitchen Witchery for uh, Love and Romance. And it's basically love, sex, aphrodisiac magic through food. But I have a recipe for red velvet cake with a rose with a rose um, wow. cream That's cheese frosting. I'll have it's, to get that recipe. It's so good. And I use candied rose petals on it. Oh, so wow. it's so I was like, oh my gosh, she's got the same recipe as I do. So obviously the shit works. Um, but kitchen witchery, and this is not supposed to be about me, right? But kitchen witchery is just like every other magic. It comes from you and your intention and mm-hmm. you know, where you start. You don't have to be a great cook. You don't yeah. have to be like cooking gourmet meals. You could be like, I'm gonna eat this macaroni and cheese that I'm gonna microwave, but I know it's gonna fill my heart up with comfort and I know it's gonna make me feel closer to my grandma who used to whip up a batch of craft mac and cheese for me when I was sad. And so I'm putting that intention into my food and then I take that food into my body. Bing, bang, boom, kitchen witchery, right? Like that's 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 pretty much the, yeah. the basis. I should be putting more spells into my food. I've been so- how foolish of me. It's oh. it's not. People don't. All, all the love spells I could have been putting on my boyfriend this whole time. <laughs> I'm going to start tonight. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that it works, but uh, my partner and I have been together for 22 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. 22 years. Um, thank you. And we super love each other and we're super best friends and we still have great sex. Um, so it's, I've got to be doing something right. I mean, we're chubby, but we're happy. (laughs) Well, that's what's important. I mean, food has been a display of affection and love for as long as humans have existed. Mm -hmm. And sex and pleasure. 
Yeah. Right. These things are all, they all have hedonistic qualities, right? Food, um, you know, you think about, you know, feeding your partner and, Mm -hmm. you know, how that ignites passion in a lot of ways. And if you just know what foods specifically have those properties, they're really easy to incorporate into sex magic, you know? Um, Okay. So I said that I'm a, a giant, a giant fan of yours and I was not lying. I have the sex witch book, and if you can see in it, for those of you watching this video, I have post-it notes in the margins of all the things that I think are fucking outstanding. So I know that you have been a writer for a long time, and so before I get too much into being obsessed with this book, um, I kind of want to know how did you go from the Virgin Islands to writing about sex witchcraft? Like, tell us about you, Sophie, for people who don't stalk you on Facebook and don't stalk you on Instagram. How did you get here? Like the talking head song, like you may ask yourself, well, how did you get here? Yeah. As I look out at my view of Manhattan. Um, it's a big deal. Well, I, I, I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I always wanted to live in New York City. Growing up in the Caribbean was really beautiful and wonderful and something I'm so grateful for. And my father... And my stepfamily still live down there. So I get to stay connected to that community, which is lovely. Um, But I had an uncle who lives in New York City. And actually, the first time I ever saw snow as a child was like New York City snow. But all I had seen before that was island. So I thought it was like the most gorgeous snow ever. Like the filthy, (laughs) what I know now is like filthy, like New York City street snow. Do you fucking hate it now? No, I still love it. You do love it? Um, I always wrote, I always read. Um, Those two things were always really important to me. I was raised in a very loose, I wasn't raised religiously. Um, Both my parents are very liberal. And to be honest, I had a lot of freedom as a child. And I don't, I I think I've, I've always written about sex, to be honest. I tried to write about sex in college. They didn't really like that because I went to college in the South in North Carolina. Um, and that was even talking about things like open relationships seemed to be even too controversial in like, what was this, like 2008, 2010. Um, but I finally got a job for an intern um, at a casting role at the show a for the excuse me for the cable station a and e when i was in college and that wasn't even through college i kind of think college is like a waste of money to <laughs> for a lot of people it is it, for but a lot I, of people it is but i spent a summer in new york doing that and i also was um working at a japanese west a japanese restaurant selling comedy show tickets in times square which is wild well, and when you live in New York, you have to have 87 jobs to survive. You do. And I and say that as a native New Yorker. I'm, you do. I, yeah, you have to. I mean, I, I'm I'm not from the city. I'm from the island, but it's the same situation. I mean, yeah. you have to have a thousand jobs to survive. So, you know, that makes perfect sense. I don't know if I'm rambling about what you want to hear. I, I, I want to hear everything. I any, Through that internship, I got my first job offer, which was a production assistant on a music documentary at MTV. And that was because I stayed friends with someone from that internship. Um, And I also kept up a music blog just because I love to write. And I actually used to do music journalism. Um, The first writing I did professionally in New York City was music journalism for Vice like forever ago. Yeah. Um, And it ended up being just kind of all connections. And if we want to talk about it in 
which were its like manifestation. Yes. Um, regarding things like drugs and sex, I think it's been very handy that I never had a negative. I, I was never taught anything negative about them. Um, so I felt very comfortable writing about them. I've always just been a very sexual person. I've always been drawn to drugs and substances and just all the nitty grittiness of it from its uses as a medicine to its uses in witchcraft, to its uses as a social tonic to how different people react differently. It all just fucking fascinates me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, Mm -hmm. fortune favors the bold. I learned that here in New York. Most of what I've gotten, I've gotten by asking for it. Yeah. My first book deal by asking the publisher, I got my agent by sliding into him, his DMS. Um, I learned about magic from growing up around some hoodoo and voodoo traditions that were fairly normal, not normalized. Like they were still very taboo, but they were talked about in the islands. Um, first lived in the East village. when I moved to New York city across the street from not across the street, a few blocks down from a store called enchantments, which is a beautiful, I love enchantments. Oh, great. And I was like, just already raised on like Harry Potter. I know that that's canceled now, but I, you know, I, adapted to it really easily. I became best friends with Annabelle Gatt, who is Vice's astrologer. And in my opinion, like the best astrologer of, of, of the witches, no shade to everyone else, including myself, who is an astrologer. Yeah. Um, no, Annabelle's pretty, she's pretty badass as well. Um, if you don't yeah. know who Annabelle is, you should check her out. Uh, she's someone else that I stalk, but I actually haven't met. And I feel like be, I really need to. Oh gosh, she's great. She's wonderful. I, lo- I, I consider her a mentor as well as a friend. She, um, has kind of been in this world since she was born. So I've learned a lot from her. And then, you know, you start your Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio, which is the detective of the Zodiac known for a passion to investigate, which is great for being a journalist, which is awful for the people you date because you yeah. know like every single thing about all of I their I want to know everything. And all yeah. of their ex-girlfriends. And like, you know more than they do. You just look into it so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm a, but you know, I just haven't, I, I mean, I'm a journalist. I, I have worked for MTV until I could switch to writing full time, but the whole time, you know, you learn about these subjects and there's always more to learn. Yeah. Um, and my interest in my career just gradually built as of my knowledge. Yeah. Um, I also feel like things are just starting. So there's a lot of excitement. It's really, so, so that's really interesting to learn your background like that, because I don't think we can separate our career paths from our witchcraft paths. I think a lot of people try to do that, but who we are as individuals is so intertwined in what we do, plus how we feel, plus where we came from and all of that stuff. And listening to you talk about this sort of liberal upbringing now, I don't know much about being raised in a, in a Caribbean island, okay? So, like, I was born and raised on Long Island. So, very, very, um, exactly what you think Long Island, New York is like. It's full yeah. of loud, obnoxious Italians. And I say that as one of the loud, obnoxious Italians. Okay. This was like being allowed to drink liquor on the beach when you were in middle school and no one bats an eye. Right. Like- it's, it, but that's <laughs> cultural, right? It's like, it's like if you, if, for for me, my I, the only thing I could you know um, compare that to is like if you grew up in Italy, wine is on the table. Yeah, wine is yeah, on the table. True. It's not taboo. So if it's not taboo, it, it doesn't become something dirty or naughty or scary. It's just like although I did have to quit drinking. This is actually um, cannabis infused iced tea that I'm enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend it. 
do you see what I'm saying though? Like that, that yeah, no, I do. I it do. doesn't become taboo. So you feel like, oh, it's okay if I want to experiment with this, but because it's not forbidden, you don't overindulge because you're like, eh, I tried it. If my parents are cool with something, maybe it's not that cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to sound like a conservative or anything, because I'm not, but I have to be honest. I think I wish I had a little more structure though. It's so interesting. I I wish looking back on it, I think of some of the situations I was allowed to be in. And I was like, um, someone probably should have gotten that kid out of there. Or like, (laughs) at least take my kid do that. You know, um, but I love you, mom and dad, but (laughs) it's interesting. Like I, I think I should have had a few more boundaries actually. So I guess the grass is always greener. But that's, but that is interesting. And you're not the first person that I've heard say that because I had a really conservative Catholic upbringing, yeah. right? Like I wasn't allowed to date. Uh, mm. Like I, I wasn't. See, my al- parents <clears throat> like got me hotel rooms that I could bring boyfriends in with, like they slept over. That's insane. See, that is a little insane, right? That's especially if your kid is like 14, like, I don't know. Like this was when I was like a senior in high school, but still it was still, yes, very, very liberal. Right? Like, <laughs> I told you before, I've been with my partner for 22 years. We were in, we were dating for three years. We were engaged for three years before we got married. We both still lived home. My oh, wow. parents wouldn't let him come upstairs oh, wow. into my room when, when we were engaged. After we'd been engaged for three years, together for six years, it was like, I was like, well, I have a TV. We're just going to watch a movie. Like, that's the level of conservative... I'm like, I'm 26. I've been with this guy for six years. Like you can't, you know, I had a curfew at 25 years old. Like that's the reality that I grew up in. And so everything that I learned was all like, shh, don't say anything. And, you know, you know, can you remember in talking about like, obviously there was, like you said, you would have a drink on the beach and you were a kid and, and and sexually active and all that, all that stuff, which we were all doing, but we were all hiding it from our parents. You know, like it's not that we weren't doing it. It's just our parents didn't know about it. Um, oh, my parents like knew way too much. I, it, it makes me cringe to think about actually. <laughs> I mean, I get that. <laughs> I get that. Um, but I, I think that, again, grass is always greener, right? Like there were times where I was in trouble or there were times where I was confused and I didn't have an adult to talk to about it, mm-hmm. questions to ask, especially when it came to like my body and sex and stuff like that. And and I didn't have a parent or, or someone that I could go to and say, I'm really confused about this, you know? Um, so, so tell me where the intersection of being very sexual, experimenting with substances, being this creative, creative person, right? Because you're creative, you're writing, you're into music, you're into all of these things. Where does that all intersect with witchcraft? Well, if you're a witch, it's basically your spiritual practice. So it intersects with everything. Well, I mean, like when you were developing, when you were growing up as a kid, like, was it just like you said, you grew up with, with oh. voodoo influences and voodoo uh, influences? No, I, I wouldn't say I grew up with that. Just things like if you saw sigils, like drawn on something, you would might know that someone who practiced that did it. Or like, I know people who had had hot foot powder sent to them, which is a powder that if you step on, it's supposed to like send you away. Um, just kind of actually kind of funny stories like that. 
um, let's see. Well, I would say, I mean, Rastafarianism for drugs and spirituality, because, you know, to them, cannabis is a sacrament. Yeah. And I've taken, I spent a lot of time in Jamaica. I love it there so much. And, um, you know, there's like a pipe that they smoke out of that is considered holy. And it's the way you make it. It's like with a coconut and a bamboo. And there is like a calling in of like the earth, air, fire, water of like all the elements before you smoke the weed, which you realize you do need all four elements with. And um, my parents weren't Rastafarians. My parents are white expats, but I had friends whose parents were Rastafarians and they were like, no, yeah, my dad smokes weed. It's his religion, you know? And so, and I loved that. I just, I don't know. I was just always like this, to be honest with you. Um, Did you, was there ever a time where you were introduced to what we would consider modern witchcraft? Probably not until I walked into um, Enchantments. What was that like? What was that moment like where you're like, oh, crap, this is this totally makes sense to me. No, it was actually like kind of intimidating and slightly awful. No. Well, they're just like, you know, really legit witches or like they present. So if you've like never been in that before. Yeah. You're like, I want books about witchcraft. And they start asking you questions and you don't know what any other word is. (laughs) <laughs> and if you've ever been to that shop and like, they've just have like a black cat that just sits there on the cashier and doesn't move and just like stares you down. Like it's definitely owned by witches, like 100%. Yeah. Um, and I was just, it was, this was just my own insecurities and anxieties, but I just said, when I went in and asked for like some books. And then I realized that it was such a ginormous subject and how I probably just sounded like I had no idea what I was talking about. So that's why I was embarrassed. But now I, now I love going there. I'll go there and have, um, especially if I need a potion made, that's yeah. where I'll go. Yeah. They're really good about making potions. And last candles. I checked, their candles, right? Their candles are like. Well, I have become, I have love candle magic. I make all my own candles Dude. now. I have one burning now. Um, I try to have one always burning, but I get busy get busy. But yes, I highly recommend their candles. The only reason I don't buy them from them anymore is because I find it more powerful if I do it myself. And I, and I just enjoy it. It's just like a super crafty, yeah. um, hands-on fun spell. Yeah, fun. absolutely. You keep using that word, fun. 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 I think that's something too, that you really hit the nail on when you're talking about witchcraft and everything that you do, because there is an element of fun, but not just, I don't want to say fun, like, oh, ha ha, I'm having a fun time. But like, the joyful fun you get when you're really connected to, I, I want to use the word spirit, but it sounds so fucking, you know, trite to say that. But like, there's a joyful freedom that comes when you're practicing or doing things like making candles or, you know, making those candied rose petals we were talking about. There's there's a joy in it, right? Like, and when you're doing it yourself, you feel that joy a lot more than if you're Listen, I get a lot more joy out of making a homemade pizza than I do from ordering a pizza. I think vices are really important. I'm one of, you know, one of my favorite gods is like Dionysus, Mm -hmm. uh, the god of wine or just the idea that we're, you know, having sex because it feels good is okay, or drinking wine because it gets you drunk is okay, or Mm -hmm. enjoying cannabis because it gets you stoned is okay. You know, you're allowed to enjoy the pleasures and the fruit of the earth. Um, there is a lot of that in magic and there is um, not a lot of that in kind of the traditional Christian patriarchal social structure we see, you know, but that's one of the things I love the most about witchcraft actually is that it tells you like, no, like you should like take that bubble bath and 
masturbate and like smoke a joint or have a glass of wine while you do it. And like, here's all these ways you can turn it to a spell if you want. And <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that, that pleasure, right? I mean, human beings do things for pleasure. Our brains are so evolved that we have such amazing pleasure receptors. And when you get into like, I know this is super nerdy, right? But like when you get into like neuroscience and how our brains work with all the serotonin and oxytocin and, and, and dopamine, these pleasure receptors and these pleasure chemicals that go off in our brains, we're kind of like biologically hardwired for pleasurable experiences, which keep us going back to doing those pleasurable experiences, right? Bubble Masturbating in a bubble bath feels good. You want to do it. Once you do it, you're like, oh, I'm going to schedule that. I make time to do that again. Uh, yeah. You know, and like you said, that's ritual. That's a self-care uh, ritual, right? I don't know if we're getting completely off the topic of magic, but have you heard of the experiment um, Rat Park? No. It, not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but maybe the government doesn't want you to know. But um, <laughs> um, I recommend keeping up with the author and Dr. Ju- Judy Holland if you're interested in like the latest research on drugs and pleasure. But you know, there's a lot of studies done on rats regarding drugs like cocaine that factored into what fueled the war on drugs mm. movement that epically failed. You know, led by mm. the Reagan's. Mm-hmm. And there's this one. There's probably, I'm sure there's more than one experiment, but they showed that mice became addicted to cocaine. You know, like if you gave them like a little tap in their, you know, mice cell or whatever, they just kept going back to the cocaine until they basically like their little heart exploded and they died. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, cocaine is addictive, which, which it is. Cocaine is addictive. Absolutely. But um, these other scientists who did not get as much attention wanted to see the effects of like community and love compared to isolation. So they, <laughs> you Google this cause it's epic. They made a rat yeah. park, yeah. like a, um, a amusement park for rats. Like they made a heaven for rats. Like it was filled with other rats. There was things to play on. There was things to run in. It was like mm-hmm. the opposite of an isolated single cell. It was rat paradise. And they had food, water, and they did have the cocaine. And that one, none of the rats became addicted to cocaine. They did, however, just like all fuck each other. Um, But (laughs) it's true. Yeah, no. And now that you've mentioned that, I remember reading that study a few months ago. I feel like it was, it circulated. And yeah, that they, they created this space where these animals had community, they had entertainment, they had challenges, they had exercise, they had fresh air, they had everything that a a being could want. And they, they actually used the drug recreationally. They would yeah. go take a little bit and then they would go about their life. And then a couple of days later, they come back and be like, I'm going to have a little bit because I feel like I have a little fun. But none of them gave themselves a heart attack for ODing on the drug. Yeah, it's interesting. I just I think I just find stuff like that drugs fascinating. And, um, you know, I gave the another example would be, you know, some of the early Hindu texts talk about um, spirituality and cannabis, especially when used together with yoga to me, it's not even, it's just very natural. It's just enhances my meditation mm-hmm. um, and what, you know, one would call intuition or another person might call like psychic powers, especially if I'm working with um, tarot. So there, it always felt like a natural um, witch enhancement tool just on its own. So t- I feel like, to be honest, I didn't put a ton of thought of it into it. 
you know, it's that's really interesting that you mention um, you know, the the um <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, enhancement of a meditation practice, the enhancement of a yoga practice. Um, I'm going to be like super honest with you. I've never smoked pot. Um, I have a problem with the actual smoke. Um, mm-hmm. So that's not, it's not my jam. I am also a giant ass control freak and I don't like the way I feel when I am under an influence of any, uh, any substance. So um, my friends like that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I, I, and again, that's not to say that I don't enjoy a glass of wine. That does not to say that I don't take CBD every night before I go to bed because of the benefits. Yeah, no, it's you know? fine. My boyfriend doesn't, can't do the weed thing at all. I just, it's, I just I'm, can't, but that's, that's just my, that's my biology, but I'm, yeah, we in, all have different ones. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to know how you feel about like, do you think it's possible for someone like me who does not partake to get to the same level of uh, meditation, insightfulness as, as someone like you who is enhancing that experience. Is that possible? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think whatever you need, you know, maybe some people need to be sober. Like wine is always like used ritualistically in witchcraft. Um, for me, cannabis really helps me with creativity and that's great in problem solving in life. Um, it's always why I meditate. And it's also, I also use it, um, in the early development and kind of outlining of books, especially because it's, it's not so great for grammar, but it's great for creativity. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I can see that. I can see that. I'm also, um, like an anxious person, which gets Mm. in the way of meditation. And so when I use cannabis, which I do have a medical card for, you know, for anxiety and it lowers my anxiety. I meditate better, but yeah. you might have a lower anxiety level for me. Maybe if you took cannabis, it would actually amplify your anxiety, right. which you can't do to some people. Right. Um, so I would never prescribe a correct way. I would just say, I mean, I would, it would be a lot easier if I could say yes, but um, I ever, I think everyone has to figure it out for themselves kind of through yeah. safe trial, trial and error. Yeah. But, but I do think if for people interested, if, you know, there is room for um like psychedelics and use with me, me, I'm not original to say that psychedelics have been used in spiritual enhancement. So no, of course not. No, it's been something that that's a, that's a conversation that's been going on for, I mean, decades yeah. at this point, maybe, maybe centuries, you know, um, there are, there are definitely stories of people smoking all kinds of things to get to higher levels of consciousness throughout history. So that's not, like you said, that's not a new, that's not a new concept. Um, so I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to get back to some of your background again. I want to get back into sex witch because it's just so good. Um, so I, I'm, you know, we were talking earlier about the difference in our upbringings, right? And for me, like everything was taboo, but I was very interested in sex and I was interested in boys and I was interested in all those things at a, at a, thing at a very early age. Um, and I don't know if that's just cause I'm a Scorpio or cause I've been a horn dog since I hit puberty. I don't know. Um, but it, that's always been me. Has that always been you as well? Yes. Matter of fact, yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I can remember reading erotica at a very early age and it had a huge impact on me. Um, it was sort of something I, I, kind of stumbled upon. And I grew up, I'm 
guessing I'm much older than you. And I grew up without the internet. Um, I got the internet when I was in um, grade school. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I graduated high school in 1997 when the internet was I'm, I'm I'm 34. So I'm I'm a few years, maybe a few okay. years. I'm many years older than you. Um but I graduated high school in 1997. So we had just had the internet for like a minute. We had dial up in my house when I was 18. There was one computer. We didn't have access to things like the pornography that you could find now, or even just if you're interested in erotica, you know, you weren't, you weren't finding, uh, you weren't going on FetLife in 1997. Okay. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't a thing. Um, so we had to find things the old fashioned way. Yeah. Is there a moment you can remember? Like I had this one book that I found and read over and over again. I still have my copies. It was the, uh, Anne Rice beauty books. Oh, I, I know Anne Rice. I've not read the beauty books. Oh my God. I know. Anne, Anne Rice is on my checklist. I'm going through several. Yes, I will get there. I promise. So she wrote these books under a pen name, which to be fair, I can't remember what the pen name was. It's like A-N-A period N period something French. I don't really remember what it is. I'm sure somebody's going to comment on this when they see it, that it's whatever it is. She wrote this series of three books based on uh, uh, Sleeping Beauty, but they start when Sleeping Beauty wakes up. Okay. And and how the prince wakes her up and then she goes on this journey of servitude as a submissive um and it's just I mean I was like 15 years old. I should not have been reading these books. And I yeah. love love no, them. Yes, you have. I have to read them though now definitely. I'll add them to my list. They are so fantastic. Um and again I haven't read them in a million years, but was there something like that? Like for me that was like a sexual awakening and going, Oh my God, this is wow. You know, like to the point where like I was sharing it with my friends and like, you guys, you got to read this. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And everybody's like, that's fucking weird. Why are they painting this woman with gold leaf and carrying her around a room? I'm like, you don't want to be painted with gold leaf and carried around a room. That's like the hottest thing I've ever heard of in my life. (laughs) You know, was there something like that for you, Sophie, that kind of like made you click and go, Oh, that's hot. It was that in the Guns N' Roses November Rain video, if I'm being entirely honest. Because Axl Rose in the 90s, fucking gorgeous. I mean, do you want more like middle school, like turn on moments or do you want like sexuality origin stories? I, I want to know what's the first thing that comes to your head when I ask that question. Um, I'm not allowed to. It sucks. One of mine was ruined because um, oh. he got canceled. Oh. Um, but... I will say when I was in middle school and I saw the dope show video by Marilyn Manson, it was a very big moment in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Just because he's a dick doesn't mean that that moment wasn't profound for you. Well, this, I didn't have all the information at the time, right. but you know, grow, growing up in the Virgin Islands, we mostly had um, reggae and hip hop on the radio, which I love both genres, Yeah, but I never just like heard anything like it. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew I was bisexual at a very young age, to mm-hmm. be honest. I had an attraction to friends like and boys. Um, and so he just comes out in that video. And it's like a guy, if you don't know the video, he's where he has like tits and a dick, mm-hmm. basically to be very vulgar. It's just like, I had never seen anyone like fuck with gender before. Yes. Um, and I had never seen someone who I was attracted to from both the masculine and the feminine. And so that was big for me, but 
unfortunately, I feel like I'm going to get comments for saying that now. No, not at all. Not at all. Because again, like that moment was profound for you. And and just because Marilyn Manson turned out to be this, like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I know. JK is a fucking douche. But I, that doesn't mean that I don't love Harry Potter. Like I can't, I, I have a Harry Potter Harry tattoo. Potter There's nothing. A profound I can... effect on me. Yeah. Right. The profound effect on you and, and what it means to you, you. It doesn't just unmean something to you because that person mm-hmm. wound up being an asshole. You know, just like yeah. if you lost your virginity to somebody who t- wound up being a cheating, lying asshole doesn't oh, mean. I know what my you know um, what I mean? more PC version of that is. The other time that happened to me was in, um, and everyone can relate to this is, Obviously, David Bowie as the Goblin King. Oh my God! Um, Could you when he not like stop looking at his package? His package, and like I've rewatched that movie, and it's so kinky. He like abducts this like sixteen-year-old Jennifer Connelly, you know, who's and, also like, fucking gorgeous. Can we please? He's gorgeous, you know. But there's obviously like sexual and romantic ke- like chemistry between them. But he's like holding her baby brother hijack, anyways. But he, but he's holding a whip the whole time. I like, know. And the makeup and the bulge, it's just that, that also was like, I want that. <laughs> like you're watching it and you're like, I have no idea what I'm seeing right now, but I'm feeling all these feelings yeah. in my body and I'm, I don't know what that means. And like, maybe I shouldn't look at it, but I want to look at it. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, I'm kind of obsessed with David Bowie. I have a, um, see, this is my orange cat. Oh, that's his name. He's so cute. And then on top of my desk, this is my desk artwork. Is David with the cat? With your cat? Oh my god! And that's why you're Bowie cat. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! I love it so much. Ah! No, listen. David Bowie and Labyrinth was one of those one of those moments, right? Where you're like, if you look at things that we recognize in pop culture, they really affect us. They really affect the way we see the world and the way we see ourselves and the way we see gender and the way we see what, what, that's how we figure out what we like. If we, if you didn't see anything out there, you wouldn't know, oh, that's hot. You know, he was gorgeous. He was gorgeous. And then he, they go to the, the masquerade ball, the masquerade ball. I know it's like, (sighs) right. Like, I mean, is, I don't know. That was my fantasy Mm, forever. You know, yes, whisk me away to this masquerade ball and give me this gorgeous dress and sing to me as you whisk me around this room. Oh, I'm your prisoner. I guess that sucks. You know, like, <laughs> you know, not to not to say that that's you shouldn't go abducting people, but no, I'm telling you, like, I feel like if the movie came out now, it would be slightly problematic. They'd be like, why is this old guy abducting her and like using sexual coercion and then like stealing a baby? But but kill killed that role. hundred um. percent. <laughs> 100 percent. all right listen on that note we're gonna take a quick break um and then we're gonna come back and we're actually gonna talk about your fucking amazing book so let's take two seconds here from our awesome sponsors and we'll be right back with the amazing sophie st thomas ah, i'm so excited okay we'll be right back Who doesn't love an amazing cup of tea? Warm and inviting, whether it's to wake you up in the morning or help you sleep at night, whether you're taking tea as a supplement or you're taking it to soothe your heart and soul. Blackthorns Botanicals has wonderful, energetic, and magical tea blends made by the one and only award-winning author, 
Amy Blackthorne. She makes teas in every combination for your magical and spiritual purposes. She's also got a great line of essential oils. Right now, she's offering autographed oils and energetic tea blends for our customers at blackthornsbotanicals.com. Blackthornsbotanicals.com, a tea shop for magical people, natural teas for a supernatural life. Guys, I have just got to tell you about the Robin's Nest. If you're unfamiliar with the Robin's Nest, let me tell you a little bit about one of my favorite shops. This is a full-service premier metaphysical shop here in New England. They offer everything from gifts to custom-made crafted potions and wares, magical and ritual items, divination materials, candles, crystals, uh, spiritually designed clothing, uh, ritual wear, books, incense, tarot, oracle decks, and most of all, more importantly, they offer friendship, creativity, and community. This shop is owned by one of my favorite people in the world, Robbie Packard, um, and she is a high priestess. She is a th- helping foster a thriving pagan community with kindness and compassion. She is just the most amazing person, and her shop and everything in it reflects her love of community and craft. You will not find a more welcoming space to learn to grow in your spiritual practice. Everything the Robin's Nest does is within intention of love and bringing community together. Although the shop is located in Bellingham, Massachusetts, you can find them online at the Robin's Nest MA.com. That's the Robin's Nest MA.com. They're offering tons of online rituals, uh, workshops, classes, tons of stuff to get you involved, to broaden your mind and help you on your spiritual journey. Uh, Check them out, therobinsnestma.com. You will not be sorry that you did. back on a a tantalizing, titillizing conversation with the amazing Sophie St. Thomas, author of many things, but right now we're going to talk about Sex Witch Baby. Ah! It's such a good book. Sex Witch, Magical Spells for Love, Lust, and Self-Protection. I love, I love everything. Okay, I'm just going to be like, but I love that a book about sex magic features self-protection. Can we talk, first of all, why Sex Witch? Why did you write this book? And why did you decide to write it now? Like when you decided to write it? What was the impetus for this? Um, I got, I wrote it because I got mad. Um, <laughs> okay, tell the story. Tell it, tell it. There's not much of a story. It's, it's, well, there is. It's just, um, I saw people using the term Sex Witch and as someone as a witch and like a sex journalist and author, obviously I, I was interested and it was really like what felt to me like turfy moon cycle, um, kind of really gross stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not a fucking sex witch. Like, 
I'm so gonna, bitch, let me oh, show you what a sex witch is. No, it was totally that vibe. It was like, I am going to own that title by writing a book on it, how it should be before mm-hmm. someone like these moon cycle turfs do. Um, yeah. So that pub, my publisher, Wiser, they specialize in um, occult titles. And I just reached out and pitched it to them and they went for it. It was really fun to write it because I was single when I wrote that book. So I like... For the, I mean, you know, I'm dated people, but like for the most part, I was single. So I just was in like a really like give no fuck state of my life. Yeah. And it comes across <laughs> because like you everything know? in here is like, get a fucking candle and do this fucking thing. And if that person doesn't fucking like it, well, then fuck them. And I'm like, oh, I love it. So you've been in New York a while. You could tell. It no. felt it felt really, really good to write it. Yeah. Um, and I'm really proud of it. You should That's be. That's my... Um, probably my favorite child of the ones that are out if I'm being honest um just because I got to be very raw in it which is fun as a writer I it it really is so good and it's you know don't judge a book by its cover right everybody's like oh gonna be like oh sex witch sex witch ah it's not at all what you think it is it's so educational and it's so especially for people who maybe aren't familiar with this type of witchcraft or different types of sexuality. You really explore that. You go through gender identity. You go through kink identity. You go through sexuality identity. And so you give people, I think, help with language and verbiage that they might not have or might not think they need. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's an edge to it, but you are so respectful and you are so concerned, um, you know, about so many things. Like, okay, one of my favorite things in the book, um, I, and I have a bunch of things, like I said, I, I have all these little notes in here. Um, one of my favorite things is this spell you have in here for protection for sex workers. And I think that is. The first of all, again, like the fact that you've got a book about sex magic and you have so much protection magic in there is very important. Can you speak to why that's so important? Um, well, because, you know, rape and sexual assault exists. Um, and I find that most people who are drawn to witchcraft, not always, but usually have felt like outcasts for one reason or another. And, um, Sometimes that means someone who has been bullied on. So I think it's something that's needed. But I mean, sex workers are holy to me in in witchcraft. Um, I believe their current stance is that they're for decriminalization um, rather than full legalization. I have helped a friend in a dungeon, but I don't think I've earned the right to call myself a sex worker. But I have to say it was like 15 minutes compared to the awful temp work I did stocking soda for a um, hedge fund to supplement my writing made me really wish that I had been a dominatrix. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, it's just fucking ridiculous to me that that, that would be regulated and um, controlled by the government. Um, I love sex workers. If you don't know any sex workers, I highly recommend making some sex worker friends. They're like the realest people. The realest, um, most loving, generous yeah. People, um, I, I have to agree with that 100%. I have uh, a handful of friends that are sex workers, and 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 the like. I can't even describe how wonderful these people are, and I think that the stigma around sex work is 
starting, thank goodness, starting to change just because we're having a conversation. Um, and yeah, I think it definitely is. that's really helpful, especially within the witchcraft community, you know? Um, oh, definitely. Right. I mean, I, well, just anyone I know would, it would be frowned down upon to be say anything negative. Um, yeah. Everyone I know supports sex work is, I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I yeah. love, again, the, the fact that you have a, a spell in here to protect sex workers is wonderful for people who are sex workers and is also wonderful for people who love someone who happens to be a sex worker, you know, and, and let's be very clear for those of you who don't know the term for, you know, sex workers is anyone from a stripper to a phone sex operator. We're not just talking about prostitutes, you know, we're talking about anybody who runs a, a naughty shop, you know, that is considered, can be considered sex work. So, and these people can be victimized just by the nature of their job. And let's be honest, if, peop if people weren't paying them for their services, they wouldn't have a job. So let's not be all high and mighty that this is not something that people should be doing because there's a market for it. Okay, I'll just put that out there. I'm just saying. Yes, most certainly always existed. Oldest profession. I was out in Portland, Oregon before the pandemic. And I want to try to keep my story short because it's like one of my favorite stories, but I'm going to keep it short. And I, we met some, some burlesque people. We went to a burlesque show. We hit it off with some of the dancers. We became friends with I them. Do, I can see you doing burlesque. I bet you're fucking <laughs> fantastic at it. I don't have the body confidence to do it but I've always wanted to. Um, so we went to, bur we went to burlesque. We met these great people. We befriended them and they took us to another club on another night. And it was a Sunday night where all the sex workers, it was sex worker night. So, and if you were a sex worker, you got into the club for free that night and you could watch the performers. And they had everything from like burlesque dancers, strippers, some girl fucking a cake. It was awesome. It was, it was, there were fire dancers and acrobats and girls dancing on the ceiling. It was like one of the best nights ever. Okay. It was so much fun, but it was so cool because we actually got to be with the people of that community. And they are, they were just so loving and supportive and close to each other. And I don't think until that moment, I realized there was such a community. For me, I kind of thought about sex workers as as like we as witches tend to be there's there's the solitary witch practitioners and then you have community practitioners, right? I kind of saw it the same way. I was like, oh, I kind of guess I thought the stripper probably just goes home. She just does this by herself. But these communities of sex workers, it kind of blew my mind. Is that something that you've seen as well? Well, they have to. Um, I mean, no one else is protecting them. Yeah, yeah. You're yes, right. that is absolutely true. You're right. So that obviously, b besides that in the book, can you talk a little bit about more of the protection magic that could be used if you're in a situation where you're having an issue? What kind of things could people find in your book related to protection magic around sex? God, I wish I had a copy in front of me because I have to admit, you I forget don't know after I a while, right? I know quote the names of the spells off the top of my head. Um, I guess just themes I would want to say is that I, I don't really think breakups are a frivolous thing. I think mm. 
Well, I mean, they can be, it depends how much you're in love with the person. Right. But even if you weren't, and it's just a massive loss, we, we really like to downplay that, you know, just be like, Oh, get over it. Or like, especially for men, like I feel like men are not allowed to grieve their romantic partners um, at all. And so I wanted to kind of honor heartbreak by including a lot of stuff surrounding the end of a relationship because, you know, mourning is a ritual and, a lot of times going through practices like some of the spells in the book can help you get over a breakup by, you know, confronting it and dealing with it. Um, so there's that there's stuff on, you know, safer sex. Cause like, I think as witches, you know, we there's, it's, it's ridiculous to try to exclude signs from the conversation. And yeah. like, I totally have a vial from like my favorite herbal or a um, tincture from my favorite herbalist. That's like, an anti-viral protection vial of herbal remedies that I like got um, when I was single, you know, because I didn't want to get herpes to be honest. But yeah. at the, Who wants herpes? But I just mean at the same time, like if I did, I would go to a like medical doctor and yes. like, you know, get the prescription. I just mean that I wanted to give people you know, I want to say here are some great herbs that have some cool things, but also like wear condoms, you know, like I just wanted to, I don't, I don't want someone to like get an STI and then come emailing me like your spell didn't work. I have chlamydia and I'm like, you have to use a condom too, you know? Right. So I just mean, I I tried to be real about that as well. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a difference between you can't just protect your energetic shield. Because exactly. if we could all just protect our energetic shield, COVID would have gone away. Okay. So um, <laughs> let's let's be reality. You have to have, in my opinion, you need both. You need a little bit of everything. So I'm going to protect my, protect my energetic shield. You know, I'm going to do all my shielding. I'm going to do all my magical work, but I'm still going to make sure that I take my birth control pills and use condoms because exactly. I'm not stupid, you know, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that's, I think it's very important that you bring that up because you can't, you can't separate the, the physical act of sex or sexual acts from the magic portion of it, right? You, you, you can't delineate them because you're doing physical acts. It's not just I'm going to light some incense. I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to call the corners. That's not just what this is. You could physically put your body or your partner's body through something or in danger without even realizing it, especially when you get into the kink stuff, you know, um, which again, I love that you, you dive really deep into the kink stuff. One of the things that I thought was really a term I hadn't heard, um, which was RACK, R-A-C-K. Can you tell us what that is? Yes, RAC stands for risk aware consensual kink. Um, that means that all parties involved are aware of the risk. Are aware. That means that all parties involved are aware of the risks. So, for instance, let's say you're trying with paddles or spanking or spanking or some mm-hmm. part of impact play. Everyone understands that you know, there's a safe word that you say if you want to stop, but Mm -hmm. there's a chance that like you might have a bruise on your ass, you Mm -hmm. know, everyone knows what they're getting into before they agree Mm -hmm. about it. Um, So that's what risk aware consensual kink means. It was actually, it's actually a newer acronym. Um, Mm -hmm. Previously, the kink community used SCC, which stands for safe, um, sane, and consensual. But that 
some people had a problem with because they, because for some people peeing on someone sounds just nuts, right? But for other yes. people, but there are a lot of people who are into that. Yeah. And like, so, you know, if, so if you're going to be really kink positive, it's like, well, let's kind of take the sane out of it that almost acts like some kinks might I mean, yes, obviously there can be unhealthy kinks and sexual expression, but you don't want to pathologize a kink that is in fact safe as long as, you know, everyone wants to either pee or get peed on and they know that that's going to happen. And doesn't that all just boil down to, you know, I, I have a, a, a chapter in, in my book about, um, you know, physical, physical love and sex and, and, um, you know, because love, when you use the blanket term love, it just covers so many things. Just like when you use the word sex, most people immediately think intercourse, but yeah, it's, there's so much, there's just so much. You can't really boil it down to just one thing, but, um, crap, I lost my train. I thought it was a really good one. Um, (laughs) there's so many ways of thinking. There's so many different terms. There's, there's so much that goes into things when it's about the physical body that, if you are, and I don't want to, I don't want to say this is just about with a partner or multiple partners or whatever you're into, right? Everything in my opinion and agree or disagree, everything in my opinion comes down to honest communication, honest, open communication, be it with self or be it with partner, right? Like if you're not being honest with your partner, and can we just say this goes across the board for all relationships, that if I'm like, oh yeah, no, that sounds okay. That sounds fine. Yeah. You can totally do that to me. My partner hears, yeah, that's okay. That's fine. You can totally do that to me. And in my head, I'm going, I'm not sure. That's not honest and open, right? Well, yes, you you need to be clear. Passive aggressiveness rarely works, but I would say, especially not in the bedroom, that seems to enter into potentialist dangerous territory if that was used. Mm -hmm. So how do you, as a sex witch, make sure that you are honest and clear in your communication and then receive honest and clear communication from your partner? Because there's a lot about protecting the self, but what about protecting your partner, whoever it is that you are engaging with at that time? Um, Protecting them from what? Just just everything, just like... Well, listen, how would you make sure that that partner is not doing something with you at your urging that you didn't misunderstand? And is there oh, something like, to like, do how magically? Do avoid, how do you avoid like stepping on their consent crown? Um, magically, I find this magical. The most important thing I would say is to really try to stay grounded in the present moment, um, mm-hmm. you know, to stay attuned mm-hmm. with them. But honest communication, but I do want to recognize that that is very, very hard. Yes. You know, even, um, definitely myself, even the best sex doctors and researchers and therapists I know have trouble constantly perfectly communicating yes. their desires with their partners. Um, sex, even for sex positive people is very delicate and very sensitive and it's very easy to get your feelings hurt. Um, oh, yeah, ego vulnerable. is a bitch. Um, so the answer is communication, but I, I think it takes practice and it, um, I know mine has certainly improved, but mm-hmm. I feel like I've, I have a lot of work to do. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I really love that, that you validated how hard that is. 
you know? Yeah, it's very hard. It's really, really hard. Even for, as you're saying, sitting there, admittedly, you wrote a book called Sex Witch. People will look at you and go, oh, hey, Sex Witch. And you're sitting here saying, I find that difficult. I think that helps validate someone else who could be feeling shy and be like, there's no way I could be forthcoming and go, oh, well, okay, it's okay so to be shy. It's also complicated and confusing. And sometimes, um, you know, you do change your mind or sometimes you try something and you don't like it, or, you know, maybe you have really wanted to have a threesome and you're having it. It's great. And then all of a sudden something throws you off and makes you feel uncomfortable like that. You know, you might get really emotional during sex and you're unprepared. It's just, um, of a vulnerable space. So it's, it's messy, you know, sex is messy physically, emotionally, like that's kind of why it's hot, but, um, right. It's equal hot. It's equal parts <laughs> hot and equal parts crazy and messy and potent and very scary. I mean, even if you're with your partner for a long time, whether you've been with your partner for a long time, or you're with a new partner, or you're trying something new, it, things can always change and they can always feel uncomfortable. Like you said, you could just be in the middle of something that you were like, oh yeah, this is great. And two seconds go by and all of a sudden you're not okay. And I think- Oh yeah, that's for everyone. And then if you have like any sexual trauma, it's just like amplified times a million. So right. Uh, so don't be too hard on yourself if you haven't gotten it perfectly. Yeah, we'll just keep practicing until we get it right. <laughs> I mean, that's it, right? Um, yeah. This, this book is- it's really great and it's really comprehensive and it is fun. You know, you think you put a lot of fun into it. I think you address what needs to be addressed and you give it the weight that it needs, but you still keep the heart of this is pleasure. We're doing this for pleasure. We're doing it for joy for ourselves to pleasure for ourselves and for others who we're experiencing sexual acts with. Um, so I, I like, I really can't say enough good things about this book. Um, it's just, and, and the spell work is easy and accessible. It's not like the kind of thing where you have like 78 steps and you're like, seriously, the spell isn't done yet. You know, well, I hate sometimes you look at things and you're like, this spell is going to cost me like $370 to do like, fuck this. Like, Exactly. I'm watching Netflix. Like exactly, exactly, and it, it really is. I, I just, I think you're really wonderful, and I love, I love your sex positive mindset. Uh, whether it is in this book or on your Instagram feed or in your other works, um, and you know, I think, I think you're fucking gorgeous. Um, and yeah. I look, I look at you, and I'm like, oh my god, I look. I wish I had her hair, and I wish I had her eyes, and she's so skinny, and all of these things. But you specifically exude po- body positivity, and that 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 you make other people around you feel more beautiful with your love and acceptance of them in whatever body that they're in. And I don't think that's something you can teach people. I think that's just something that you are. I think people well, gravitate everyone towards you. Grammar Witch, which is all about that and comes out January 1st of next year. So let's, let, what a great segue. Let's segue <laughs> into what you're working on now so that everybody who, everybody's going to buy Sex Witch after hearing this, and then they're going to go buy your new book, which is coming out when? Glamour Witch comes out January 1st, 2023, and then Weed Witch comes out, I believe, fall of 2023. That is awesome because this episode isn't going to air until the fall. So we are recording it now at the beginning of summer, but it is going to air probably in September, October. So 
as we're recording this, you guys, you, you could like go and probably even almost pre-order Glamour Witch. Tell us you all. That. Yay. Tell us all about Glamour Witch. Well, Glamour, if you don't know, actually meant it, it, it was taken from English which their word for grammar, which is interesting to me because already there's an element of basic spell work in there. But it was first used in in Scotland to describe the act of casting a magical spell. Um, If you've ever watched like True Blood, you know, the vampires can like glamour people and they just basically make them see like, you know, look at them through starry glasses and they're so much more beautiful and so much more confident and put together. Um, So the concept of is that if beauty is really subject to genetics and societal expectations, then glamour is things within your own control, you know, um, like everything from body modifications to makeup to, um, to confidence to confidence is pretty much the main thing, but there's just so many interesting historical references about things like, lipstick being considered a tool of witchcraft um, because it could, you know, potentially lure in a husband and make you appear more attractive than you actually are. And, you know, I'm Allure Magazine, which is a beauty magazine's horoscope writer, and I love beauty and hair and makeup and all of that stuff. So I just thought it was so fascinating. And I am like all glamour, like, like, you know, this hair is like from a Revlon box, to be honest with you, the color and like, um, there's just a million tricks to like glamour your way into looking like a Disney princess. And that's what this book is about. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. That's great. And, but I, I just mean, I think it's, it was so interesting because it's kind of funny because I'm like, well, I do, to be honest, like, you know, put on makeup to look prettier. So like, were they totally wrong in thinking it was like witchcraft? So I just kind of loop back and, um, explore the word witch a little bit more. And there's a lot of fun, just glamour spells, very similar to what are found in sex wish, but focused on things like beauty. And how we feel about ourselves through appearance and what we're exuding. And, you know, and and again, that body positivity, right? Like fall in love with yourself. You know, if you, well, yeah, that's, you can't, that's the, yeah, if you can't do that, you can't do anything else, unfortunately. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. And I think it's a just like loving someone else and finding beauty in someone else, it's something you have to do. It's an act. It is not even even harder. It is. <laughs> it really is. Like, okay. Oh so my harder. Right. Like, okay. I knew I was gonna talk to you today and I was a little bit nervous because I didn't do my eyes and I didn't do any makeup, but I have been feeling very sick this week. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with being just me today because I haven't been feeling well, okay? Uh, But there are plenty of times where I feel better. I make myself feel better with, well, my hair looks great. I'm just kidding. Like, I do have good hair. You look great. But I mean, I feel you. That's what I did with this. Right? like a hard day and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to take an hour and like put my hair in hot rollers. And, um, you did hot rollers. That's not natural. I were, I love hot rollers. They're such a magic trick. They really are just like type in hot rollers on Amazon and get some, you just like, let them sit while you do your makeup and then you unroll them. That's great. That's I, I honestly, this is just, you can't really see it so good because I have this background on, but it my I have really great hair and I have really great tits. 
and I have really great eyes. So I just play up those things, you know, like yeah. I really, I really just have to judge my hair and that that's all I do. I don't, I don't do anything to it. And it, it fucking works. Well, it's okay to do low maintenance. I'm aware. I'm extremely high maintenance in like every area of my life. I just accept that. <laughs> I'm only high maintenance when it comes to like really specific, like when it comes to food, when it comes to ingredients, like everything has to be, I need, I need like, I need my fancy cheeses and, you know, stuff like that. Other than I'm, I'm, I'm pretty low maintenance, but no, the, the idea of glamour and how do you feel when you kind of put on this face or you put on this outfit? This is a ritual attire. You are now ready to go out into the world and create your magic, or you're ready to go to your altar and create your magic because you've put on this ritual attire. You know, when you think about people that do actual like tribal face paint, it is for a specific purpose. So why can't what we would consider fashion makeup you know, beauty makeup rather. Why can't that be spiritual and ritual as well, right? Well, it can. You should pre-order my book to to find out. And Sophie, how would we pre-order your book and where can we find you online? Um, I would really appreciate it if you followed me on Instagram because um followers are kind of like currency, you know, your yes. publishers want to see them. And if they follow me, my handle is at the Bowie Cat. Like we talked about earlier at the Bowie cat on Instagram. Uh-huh. I follow you. Thank you. She posts and a lot of really sick. bio has a link to buy all my books. So that would be the best place. Excellent. And this book, the glamour, which is coming out uh, in January, 2023. So you should be able to get that. You can pre-order it now. That get, should be good for girls. <laughs> get the sex witch because it's fantastic. Pre-order Glamour Witch, and then you'll be addicted to Sophie St. Thomas like I am, and you'll just go ahead and get the Weed Witch book. I mean, then you'll have the trilogy, and you'll be all set until her next book comes out. Yes. Um, okay, so last question as we wrap up. I ask this to every single guest that comes on. It's completely not related to anything, um, but it's my signature question. Uh, if so you obviously I'm a kitchen witch, so I'm a cook. That's what I do. If you could have me cook one magical meal for you, what would it be and why? What do you mean when you say magical? Whatever that means to you with intention, uh, with thought, something that ties you back to your childhood, something that is that has a purpose. If you wanted it to have a magical purpose, what would it be and why? Or just your favorite meal that you haven't had in a million years. I'm a really good cook. I do two things really well and cooking is the other one. Okay. This is a good question. So let me think of my good answer. Um, it's a tough one. No, I know. I know my, I know my main course. I feel like I should be greedy though. And like have a dessert and appetizer picked out and everything. Well, that would be very hedonistic. So yes. Yeah. So like you're coming to my house for dinner. What yeah. do you hope is on the menu? Um, let's see. Okay, for my meal, but I don't have an appetizer yet. You have to give me another That's minute. Okay. Maybe I'll come up with something. Maybe I'll divine something that goes with your meal. Okay, well, I am an animal lover, but the truth is I'm such a carnivore. There's nothing wrong um, with that. I know. So, but like, I love veal. Mm. Um, it's so my, naughty. It's very naughty. It's so naughty. So. I love veal. And I know my mom's boyfriend is a farmer, like a actual farmer in Virginia. And he, 
he doesn't eat veal because he knows how they're like raised. And he's like, it's too, you can't have veal. But I, you know, when I can compartmentalize that knowledge, love veal. So I would like um, veal Parmesan, but I want um, like some, like the veal to like have the best life in the world and somehow jump into the life of like another animal and like not be harmed in the creation of this process. So it needs to be humanely raised, needs to be humanely raised. It needs, then it needs to die and then be resurrected into its old self and live a beautiful life. I, I completely get that. And you're going veal parmesan. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then um, I would like um, a side of pasta with basil pesto sauce. Ooh. And I would like mm. that to be made with pine nuts and infused. I want it to be a money spell. Yeah. So basil we would do roasted pine nuts and we could do basil as the primary, but for extra many magic, we can throw some arugula in there and give it a little kick. Oh, okay. Yeah. I trust you on that. Yeah. Um, so that's my main course. I want pasta, pesto, and veal mm-hmm. and a mad magic veal. And then for my dessert, I want a um, magical red velvet cake mm. that has a marriage spell inside of it. Did you say a marriage spell? It's right there. Oh my. Oh he my. Knows. Oh my. So... I actually have a red velvet cake recipe in my cookbook. Um, maybe I'm just going to send you a copy. And you you could, should. You totally should. It is the most, out of all the recipes that I made in that cookbook, it was the hardest recipe that I came up with. I made it like four or five times before I got it right. Um, and it's so fucking good. And you make it with the rose, the candied rose petals and... Ooh, yes. Yeah. That was it's, it's, it's all about the intention. So you're really go- you're surprising me because you went with an Italian, a really Italian meal, you know. And I'm surprised <laughs> when you said veal. I'm surprised that you went veal parmesan and you I didn't go. I'm surprised you didn't go veal saltambuco, because veal saltambuco is so much more decadent and it's so much more like. Just, I used to. Well, that's just nostalgia. I my mom. Yeah make veal parmesan and taught me how to make it mm. so that's just what comes to my mind i love that but i love that that's fantastic i would trust you with the body of our soon to be reincarnated veal um to <laughs> make it as delicious as possible <laughs> so as an appetizer what could we make you for see now i feel like a, a veal parmesan well, this is what i was wondering so then i was like approaching it from a magical angle so we have love and we have money mm-hmm. um so let's do something for like confidence and like a good like um, like self esteem booster, but it still needs to be with the theme here for me. The, the, the flavor theme. So I would do a zucchini pinwheel. So I would slice a zucchini because zucchini, because of its fabulous phallic shape, any foods that have a phallic shape are really about confidence and virility and kind of like digging in your heels and going for your goals. They're really really masculine foods. So they carry with them those traits of masculinity of like, I'm going to do this thing and I don't give a shit who gets in my way, right? So I would do a zucchini pinwheel. So you slice it really, really thin, you grill it, and then you make a garlic, I make a garlic cream cheese filling, roll roll it up together, and then you douse it with a little bit of marinara sauce, which would be the same marinara sauce that I would use on the veal parmesan. So you'd have continuity there, but that would be like a very... And uh, cheese, anything dairy, is uh, filled with joyful and nurturing energy. So you're kind of bringing together these, this um, go-getting, uh, you know, male energy of like I got this covered with this beautiful like 
baby, we know you got this. Chill out. Here's all the joy and here's all the nurturing that you need to reach that goal through the cheese energy. So you've got it all covered there. I'm just saying, I want to eat that meal right the fuck now. Sounds incredible. Yeah. Send me like a Google invite and I'll be there. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm only here. Um, I'm in New England, so I'm just an hour out of Boston. So anytime you're up in Boston or you're visiting Salem, Massachusetts, you let me know, honey, and oh. I will cook you. I will cook for you. I might actually be in Salem this fall, but I can't announce it publicly, but I'll slide into your DMs about it. Please do. Um, yes. The amazing Sophie St. Thomas. Thank you so much for having me. I just had the greatest time. You are so amazing. Thank you so, so much for being here on this episode of Conversational Witchcraft. Um, Until next time, I wish you many blessings and so much gratitude. Thank you so much, Sophie. Bye.